Welcome to Deuteronomy chapter 28. Now I'm about to warn you that we're going to read the second longest chapter in the entire Bible. So this video will be longer than usual, letting you know in advance. Now the whole book so far has been a great speech of Moses. I mentioned two chapters ago that it's a suzerainty treaty. It's a deal with God and the people. We went through all the terms up to chapter 26. In chapter 27, the people agreed with God that they were going to follow this. Now, chapter 28, we come to the sanctions or the consequences if people obey or don't obey. And, it, and it, this is, for me, possibly the saddest chapter in the entire Bible. And there are some sad chapters. There's a, a sad book. The book of Lamentations is very sad. But this book is sad because it outlines what will happen to the people when they don't follow and if you know your history, you know that what we read is exactly what happens. After we've read it through, I'll make some comments. But just hang in with me as we read this very long chapter. It shall happen, if you shall listen diligently to Yahweh your God's voice, to observe to do all his commandments which I command you today, that Yahweh your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. All these blessings will come upon you and overtake you, if you listen to Yahweh your God's voice, you shall be blessed in the city, you shall be blessed in the country, you shall be blessed in the field of your body, and the fruit of your ground, the fruit of your animals, the increase of your livestock, and the young of your flock. Your basket and your kneading trough shall be blessed. You shall be blessed when you come in, and you shall be blessed when you go out. Yahweh will cause your enemies who rise up against you to be struck before you. They will come out against you one way, and they will flee before you seven ways. Yahweh will command the blessing on you in your barns, and in all that you put your hand to. He will bless you in the land which Yahweh your God gives you. Yahweh will establish you for a holy people to himself, as he has sworn to you, if you shall keep the commandments of Yahweh your God and walk in his ways. All the peoples of earth shall see that you are called by Yahweh's name, and they will be afraid of you. Yahweh will grant you abundant prosperity in the fruit of your body, in the fruit of your livestock, and in the fruit of your ground, in the land which Yahweh swore to your fathers to give you. Yahweh will open to you his good treasure in the sky, to give you the rain of your land in its season, and to bless all the work of your hand, you will lend to many nations, and you will not borrow. Yahweh will make you the head, and not the tail. You will be above only, and you will not be beneath. If you listen to the commandments of Yahweh your God, which I command you today to observe and to do, and shall not turn away from any of the words which I command you today, to the right hand or to the left, to go after other gods to serve them, but it shall come to pass, if you will not listen to Yahweh your God's voice, to observe to do his commandments and his statutes which I command you today, that all these curses will come on you and overtake you. You will be cursed in the city, and you will be cursed in the country. Your basket and your kneading trough will be cursed. The fruit of your body, the fruit of your ground, the increase of your livestock and the young of your flock will be cursed. You will be cursed when you come in and you will be cursed when you go out. Yahweh will send on you cursing, 
confusion and rebuke in all that you put your hand to do until you are destroyed and until you perish quickly because of the evil of your doings by which you have forsaken me. Yahweh will make the pestilence cling to you until he has consumed you from off the land where you go in to possess it. Yahweh will strike you with consumption, with fever, with inflammation, with fiery heat, with the sword, with blight, with mildew. Then you will pursue, they will pursue you until you perish. Your sky that is over your head will be bronze, and the earth that is under you will be iron. Yahweh will make the rain of your land powder and dust. It will come down on you from the sky until you are destroyed. Yahweh will cause you to be struck before your enemies. You will go one way against them and will flee seven ways before them. You will be tossed back and forth among all the kingdoms of the earth. Your dead bodies will be food to all the birds of the sky and to the animals of the earth, and there will be no one to frighten them away. Yahweh will strike you with the boils of Egypt, with the tumours, with the scurvy, and with the itch of which you cannot be healed. Yahweh will strike you with madness, with blindness, and with astonishment of heart. You will grope at noonday as the blind gropes in darkness, and you shall not prosper in your ways. You will only be oppressed and robbed always, and there will be no one to save you. You will betroth a wife, and another man shall lie with her. You will build a house, and you won't dwell in it. You will plant a vineyard and not use its fruit. Your ox will be slain before your eyes, and you will not eat any of it. Your donkey will be violently taken away from before your face and will not be restored to you. Your sheep will be given to your enemies, and you will have no one to save you. Your sons and your daughters will be given to another people. Your eyes will look and fail with longing for them all day long. There will be no power in your hand. A nation which you don't know will eat the fruit of your ground and all of your work. You will only be oppressed and crushed always, so that the sights that you see with your eyes will drive you mad. Yahweh will strike you in the knees and in the legs with a sore boil of which you cannot be healed, from the sole of your foot to the crown of your head. Yahweh will bring you and your king, whom you will set over yourselves, to a nation that you have not known, you nor your fathers. There you will serve other gods of wood and stone. You will become an astonishment, a proverb, and a byword among all the peoples where Yahweh will lead you. You will carry much seed out into the field and will gather little in, for the locusts will consume it. You will plant vineyards and dress them, but you will neither drink of the wine nor harvest, because worms will eat them. You have olive trees throughout all your borders, but you won't anoint yourselves with the oil, for your olives will drop off. You will father sons and daughters, but they will not be yours. They will go into captivity. Locusts will consume all your trees and the fruit of your ground. The foreigner who is among you will mount up above you higher and higher, and you will come down lower and lower. He will lend to you. You won't lend to him. He will be the head. You will be the tail. All these curses will come on you and will pursue you and overtake you until you are destroyed because you didn't listen to Yahweh your God's voice to keep his commandments and his statutes which he commanded you. They will be for a sign and for a wonder to you and to your offspring forever. 
because you didn't serve Yahweh your God with joyfulness and with gladness of heart by reason of the abundance of all things. Therefore, you will serve your enemies whom Yahweh sends against you in hunger, in thirst, in nakedness, and in lack of all things. He will put an iron yoke on your neck until he has destroyed you. Yahweh will bring a nation against you from far, from the ends of the earth, as the eagle flies, a nation whose language you do not understand, a nation of fierce facial expressions that doesn't respect the elderly, nor show favour to the young. They will eat the fruit of your livestock and the fruit of your ground until you are destroyed. They also won't leave you grain, new wine, oil, the increase of your livestock or the young of your flock until they have caused you to perish. They will besiege you in all your gates until your high and fortified walls in which you trusted come down throughout your land. They will besiege you in all your gates throughout all your land which Yahweh your God has given you. You will eat the fruit of your own body, the flesh of your sons and of your daughters, whom Yahweh your God has given you, in the siege and in the distress with which your enemies will distress you. The man who is tender among you and very delicate, his eye will be evil towards his brother, toward the wife whom he loves and toward the remnant of his children whom he has remaining so that he will not give to any of them the flesh of his children whom he will eat, because he has nothing left to him in the siege and in the distress with which your enemy will distress you in all your gates. The tender and delicate woman among you, who would not venture to set the sole of her foot on the ground for delicateness and tenderness, her eye will be evil towards the husband that she loves, toward her son, toward her daughter toward her young one who comes out from between her feet, and toward her children whom she bears, for she will eat them secretly, for lack of all things in the siege and in the distress with which your enemy will distress you in your gates. If you will not observe to do all the words of this law that are written in this book, that you may fear this glorious and fearful name, Yahweh your God. Then Yahweh will make your plagues and the plagues of your offspring fearful, even great plagues, and of long duration, of severe sickness, and of long duration. He will bring again on you all the diseases of Egypt, which you were afraid of, and they will cling to you. Also, every sickness and every plague which is not written in this book of the law, Yahweh will bring them on you until you are destroyed. You will be left few in number, even though you were as the stars of the sky for multitude, because you didn't listen to Yahweh your God's voice. It will happen that as Yahweh rejoiced over you to do good and to multiply you, so Yahweh will rejoice over you to cause you to perish and to destroy you. You will be plucked from the land that you are going in to possess. Yahweh will scatter you among all peoples from one end of the earth to the other end of the earth. There you will serve other gods which you have not known, you nor your fathers, even wood and stone. Among these nations you will find no ease, and there will be no rest for the sole of your foot. But Yahweh will give you there a trembling heart, failing of eyes, and a pining of soul. Your life will hang in doubt before you. You will be afraid night and day, and you will have no assurance of your life. In the morning you will say, I wish it were evening, 
and in the evening you will say, I wish it were morning. For the fear of your heart which you will fear, and for the sights which your eyes will see. Yahweh will bring you into Egypt again by ships, by way of which I told you that you would never see it again. And there you will offer yourselves to your enemies for male and female slaves, and nobody will buy you. You can't imagine a bunch of more terrible curses than that. And, um, but up to ver the end of verse 14, it's all blessings. And uh, those blessings are really, really good. And uh, sometime you should go back and reread the first 14, chap first 14 verses of this chapter and the blessings there are just terrific. The Lord will bless you in heaven and on earth. He'll bless you going and your coming. He'll bless the fruit of your womb and increase and all that you turn your hand to will succeed. They're really good blessings there. Great promises for us as Christians. Um, and what we often do as Christians is we find these verses in the Bible and we think this is great <laughs> and we start believing it for a promise. But we always very regularly we we forget the bigger context and the context of, of course is that the blessings are for us if we're walking with the lord and uh, but for people there are some people who want god to do all these good things for them but they don't want to walk with him well the promises don't really work like that and um, certainly in a long-term way they don't work like that at all and so I think you need to look at the blessings of this chapter, but look, look at the mindful of the whole chapter and say, Lord, I know it's best to walk with you and I want to walk with you. Help me to walk with you. And you know that when your heart is for him, he does bless you. And, um, you know, Psalm 37, 4, it says that, that um, if you delight in him, he will give you the desires of your heart. You know, he who delights in the Lord shall be given the desires of his heart. Well, the key is, the delighting in the Lord. <laughs> and uh, when your heart just loves the Lord, it also changes the things you love. So when I was a kid, I thought, wow, if I just be a Christian, I'll get to have whatever I want. But it's, no, it's when you delight yourself in the Lord, he changes your heart so you actually want different things. But then the Lord just is so pleased to give you those things. And the Lord's blessing does come upon those who walk with him. And the Lord, of course, this whole chapter, it's a God's thinking of the people as a corporate you. When he says, you know, you will be blessed in the city and you'll be blessed in the country. He's not, we read it like I'm an individual and I'll be blessed in the city and I'll be blessed in the country. But this was written to a you that was the everyone. And we've got to keep that in mind that even though the promises are there, can be individually applied, the Lord's really speaking it to the whole nation. Remember, this; these are the sanctions uh, you know, the whole book of Deuteronomy is like a, a, a suzerainty treaty. God's the leader and these are his people. And so we had the terms. We had the, that was up to chapter 26. Chapter 27, we had the agreement. Chapter 28, now we've got the sanctions, the things that happen if they do or don't follow. And so the Lord's saying, you, the you is really everyone. And we've got to remember that that's how it works in the church as well. The best blessings come on the corporate you. When we're a part of God's people and the Lord blesses his people and we're a, you need to be in it to be blessed. And um, so, you know, the, the, the promises apply individually in a way, especially when the Holy Spirit enlightens them to your heart. But we also need to keep in mind that the Lord wants to bless all his people and bring them all into great things. 
From verse 15 onwards, it now turns to the curses. And they, they start out bad, but they just get worse and worse and worse. And um, up to around about verse 44, this, this chapter goes 68 verses. And um, it's the second longest chapter in the Bible. There's a chapter with more verses. Well, there are two chapters with more verses than this. But the, but the other chapter that was longer than this, like obviously Psalm 118 is the longest chapter in the Bible with a lot of verses. There's another chapter with more verses, but it's not as long. The verses are not as wordy. This has only got 68 verses. And up to verse 44, if we stopped right there, you would think that all the curses that were coming on the Israelites were, were things that we read of in the Bible. Because um, if you know your Bible history, you know that they didn't follow the Lord. The Lord sent various people against them, like the Midianites. You know, in the story of Gideon, he was hiding, and we'll get to that in the book of Judges. The Midianites were oppressing the people. So there were all these different stories where other nations would come and oppress them, and there'd be these battles. All the Philistines in the time of David... But then eventually the Assyrian army came and attacked the 10 tribes of the north and took them all away. And that was bad. In the, the siege, the Assyrians' siege, you know, people were starving to death. They were, there was cannibalism. And some of the things that were mentioned in this book were terrible. And later on, the Babylonians came and attacked the two tribes of the south and took them away. And right up to verse 44, you could think that, that all the things that were being described were things that were, were spoken of historically in the Bible only. And they are, but once we get to verse 49, we start to see that it's talking about the Roman destruction of Jerusalem, which is in the New Testament. It's after the New Testament's finished. The New Testament books, uh, most likely all of them written before the destruction of Jerusalem, except for maybe John's gospel. There's a debate about that, but, but the more I've read, the more I realize that all of the books are written early except for John's Gospel maybe was written after. But, um, but I'm convinced that the, the, the big thing that we're leading up to here is the destruction of Jerusalem where the Lord came and he destroyed the Jewish system completely and they were removed from the land. And in verse 49, we have this interesting thing that it says, a nation will come from a land far away with a language you do not speak, like an eagle, it says. Well, you know, some of the other um, nations that came against them, like the Assyrians and the Babylonians, they were nearby nations. They were aware of them. There were people that could speak those languages. Um, but the, the Romans, they're from Italy. They're a nation a long way away. And, the, and, you know, when the Roman army came, what's the insignia of the Roman army? It's the eagle. So the Roman army came from a long way away, speaking a language they didn't know, Latin, with the eagle as an insignia, and they swooped down, and it said here that they would be fierce. They would not have compassion on young or old. And the one thing we know about the Roman army is they were ruthless. They had no compassion. They crucified people. This was a new thing. I mean, crucifixion was always had always been a thing at kind of, but no, the Romans made it into an art form. They knew how to kill people. They knew how to make people suffer. They knew how to make them, you know, surrender. The Romans were cruel, and the Romans came, they conquered, and ultimately in AD 70, they destroyed Jerusalem. That Roman siege around the city of Jerusalem, you can't imagine anything more ferociously terrible than that. And you know, in the, in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 3, verse 10, 
John the Baptist knew about all this because he said to the Pharisees, he said, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Well, he knew there was a coming wrath. It wasn't the end of the world he was talking about. It was the end of the Jewish system. And he said to them, the axe is at the root of the tree. In other words, the judgment of God is about to happen. It's, a, it's near. And so Jesus came, you know, to his own nation that didn't receive him, but some received him. And he was able to show them the, the plan of God. And he, the church was able to be birthed, but the Jewish system was going down. And this Deuteronomy 28 outlines all the things that would happen. You know, the cannibalism. You can't believe how bad things were in Jerusalem in those final years of siege. The, the, um, the historian Josephus, he, he wrote a book called The Wars of the Jews. And it's, it's a most detailed history of these final years of the Jewish system. And it's terrible. And um, now Judaism is still in the world today, but it's not the Judaism of the Bible. There's no sacrifices. Like the whole Jewish system, that's the biblical one, we've just been through the the books of Moses. It requires sacrifice. It requires jubilee. It requires the forgiving of debts. And it requires people to be in the land. And there's a whole lot that has to be, there's a priesthood. There's supposed to be tribes. The Levites are supposed to be serving there's a whole heap of things which are just gone. They're not there anymore. There's no Ark of the Covenant in existence anymore. The Lord, he destroyed it completely. And what we've got left in the world today is a thing we call Judaism, but is not biblical Judaism. There's no sacrificial system. And the Lord destroyed it deliberately because ultimately it was all a picture of him. Jesus was the sacrifice to take away the sins of the world. He was the lamb. And once he came, we didn't need the picture of it. We had the real thing. But Judaism continues, but it's different. And there are different Judaisms. There's the ultra-Orthodox, the ultra-Orthodox, the Reformed Reformed Jews. There are also secular Jews, people who are culturally, you know, ethnically Jewish, but not Jewish in in way of life. And uh, a lot of the Jews that follow the Jewish religion, they've got European ancestry. They're not actually ethnically Middle Eastern. Then you've got people in the Middle East who are, ethnically descended from Abraham, but they're Muslims today. So it's, it's all a big mixture. And, uh, you know, Herod the Great, he destroyed the records of the priests. And you can't even make a new priest unless you can prove you descend from, Adam, from Aaron. So the whole thing's been completely turned up by the Lord, just like this chapter says. It says that, you would, that they would be destroyed, that they'd be removed from the land, that they would not be a people anymore. And... Um, the Lord did it, and it's a sad, sad, sad chapter because the people didn't do what the Lord had asked them to do, and the consequences came. You know, the Romans, they took them down to Egypt to sell them for slaves. It's all in Josephus. No one wanted to buy them, <laughs> just like that very last chapter. It's terrible. But you know that today there's a nation in the world called Israel. Some people get confused and think that's the Israel of Israel. It's not. That nation today in the world is a secular nation, just like Australia is a secular nation. That nation has a, a government. It's democratic. There's people elected to it. Those people are not Christians. Some of them might be. There's, there's, there might be some people who are Jewish, but it's not the biblical nation of Israel that we talk about. It's just another nation in the world that's named Israel. And... Um, the, the ultra-Orthodox, these are the, Jew, the Jewish movement in the world that 
that try to follow the Bible as much as they can, they don't even accept the nation of Israel as being the biblical nation of Israel. It's really clear from the Bible that it's not. And uh, for them, the, you know, they interpret the Old Testament prophecies very literally. And for them, the Messiah is going to come and set up the nation and the kingdom. Well, the nation that's there now isn't something set up by the Messiah. And, um, but of course, they're going down the wrong track as well because we know the Messiah is the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells us that we are the new Israel. We're the Israel of God. Paul said in Romans chapter 10, he said that there's no Jew or Gentile, that we're all one in Christ. Peter said in 1 Peter 2.10, he said that, that we are the people of God. So it's really, really clear that the Lord used the picture. He uses pictures to teach us the meaning of the reality. So the temple, which was a physical thing, taught us about the spiritual reality that we are his temple. But the nation, a physical nation, also was to teach us the picture that we are a nation as well. So all the physical things are now gone. There may be people in the world who are trying to bring back the physical things, and there's some people who always get stuck on them. But even so, we see that we've now been given something that's much better and much more wonderful. But having said that, this chapter is still a very sad one. And, and um, I, I think about these, these Jewish people and I think all you can do is feel sad for them. All you can do is feel love for them. Who are we to judge? When you meet someone in the world who's Jewish, you know your heart should go out to them. You should seek to win them, win, win them to the Lord who is their Messiah. And um, you know what they really need to do is come to know Yahweh, which is Jesus. Jesus is their Jehovah, just they don't know it yet. So for me, Deuteronomy 28 is one of the saddest of all the chapters in the Bible. And if you ever watch a Holocaust documentary, and you'll, you'll have that very sad music playing with the violin, very, it's very haunting and moving of the heart. Sometimes you'll hear the words of this chapter being very silently or quietly read in the background. It's a terrible tragedy. And if you want to take something away from it all, um, just the feeling and the sadness that you get from watching a Holocaust documentary, that's the feeling and the sadness that this chapter captures for me. If anything, this chapter should cause us to think two things. Number one, it should cause our love for Jewish people to increase so that we pray for them and we care for them. And number two, it should cause us to realize that we need to walk with the Lord our God with a whole heart because it's not that the Lord wants to, to harm us, it's just that turning your back on the Lord leads to, leads to all the things that were described here. Father, forgive us for the many times we've had a hard heart toward you. And forgive us for the times that we have not loved others as we ought, including Jewish people, but all people. And I ask that you cause our heart of love to increase for Jewish people, but for all those who are lost, and I pray you cause our hearts to turn toward you and to follow you with a whole heart, full of love, full of grace, to serve you all our days. And Father, let the blessings of the Lord come upon your people, the church. The church, the new Israel, let your grace be upon it, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.